Well, good morning, church family. Good morning uh, to those of you that are here uh, joining us in person, and as well for those of you that are, that are joining us online. We are again so thankful. If you guys have noticed, we have uh, our youth uh, helping us lead worship again today. Uh, we are so thankful to God for enabling us, our young people here at the bridge, to serve Him with their talents and their abilities. Amen. <laughs> Are we blessed? Amen, yeah. Um, and uh, as a youth pastor here at the bridge, um, it is my desire, I would like to ask you, it is my prayer that uh, you would please continue to pray for our youth, uh, for young people, that they would grow and mature and become young adults and become adults um, who would continue to serve the Lord with us as they develop in their lives um, here at the church or wherever God would send them that in their lives they would continue to experience the gospel and live it out so that they would share it with others. So please, uh, uh, Bridge Church, Bridge Family, please join us. Continue to pray for our youth um, that they would find their identities in Christ alone. Well, how are you guys doing? Great. Um, I know that, I, I hope that you have had a, a great time with loved ones this past Christmas. And I mean, just like that, right? Christmas is over. Um, Christmas Day is over and we are well into our New Year's celebration, so I, I hope, uh, there, I know, probably I trust that there will be more eating for us that are coming up. Um, but of course, you know, for us believers, it's over. Christmas is over, but actually for us as believers, uh, we will continue to be celebrating, right? We will, we will be continually uh, celebrating the joy, the love, and the peace, and all the benefits of the birth of Jesus for us well into the new year and onwards, even after all the celebrations are over. And uh, you know, may God help us to revel and to bask and to be amazed at the gift of God for us more and more each day. Each day. And so today, even right now, as we hear the word of God, let us come and be amazed and to behold and to adore Jesus. This morning, I will be talking about embracing the humanity of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please take your Bibles and let us read Luke chapter 2, verses 45 to 52. Let us read this passage together. That is Luke chapter 2, verses 45 to 52. As a brief context... Um, this, this passage here, this was during the time when Jesus was 12 years old. And his parents went to the feast of Passover in Jerusalem. And amidst of all, you know, in the whole feast, amidst of all the crowd and all the people and all the traveling that they did, Joseph and Mary managed to lose Jesus in the crowd for three days, right? That is crazy. So imagine you have a 12-year-old son, and you guys went into a feast. You know, the whole town, the whole city is, is partying, and you lose your 12-year-old son for three days, right? And, and imagine, you know, Joseph was probably like, hey, where, Mary, where's Jesus? And Jesus was like, and Mary would probably be like, Joseph, where's, where's Jesus? And they'd be like, oh no, we lost the son of God, right? Um, and and th this really happened, and, and they lost Jesus in the crowd. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, uh, if, you were, if you're a parent and you have lost your child in a party or in a supermarket or something, um, you know how that feels, how horrible it is. 
And so that whole narrative of losing Jesus, the Son of God, uh, it can actually be a sermon in itself. And, but in today's sermon, I decided to focus on the event after Mary and Joseph found Jesus. So let us read together verses 45 to 52. And it says here, And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. What was he doing? He was sitting among the teachers, those who are PhDs, those who are the intellects of the day. Jesus was listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to to him, son, why have you treated us so? Imagine, right? People were amazed at Jesus with his wisdom in the temple and people were astonished. Instead of Mary saying, oh wow, great job Jesus, Keep, keep it up. She was like, hey Jesus, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Amen. Thank God for his word. Now, when you picture Jesus in your minds, have you stopped and considered that Jesus was at one point a teenager, just like the youth here in our youth service? This whole month of December, we have been so privileged to hear the great news of the birth of Jesus as a baby during the sermons, the Christmas sermons. We know that he was the word who was God and he became flesh and he dwelt among us. Now, I also wonder if you've ever really considered that when we talk about Jesus becoming a man, just like us humans, we are actually talking about the genuine, a genuine, real, and authentic humanity. F.F. Bruce once stated, if there is among the distinctive articles of the Christian faith, one which is basic to all the others is this, that our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became man for our salvation. So I wonder if we, as a church family, if we have actually truly embraced that truth, that biblical teaching that says Jesus was and is a real 100% human while being 100% God. Have you considered the humanity of Jesus when Jesus was between about a year old to about 12 years old? It says here, when he was about a year old to about 12 years old, it says in Luke chapter 2 verse 40, that as a child, Jesus continued to grow and become strong, and that he increased in wisdom, and that the grace of God was upon him. And then, when he was 12, here in the verses that we just read, Luke chapter 2 verse 52, it says that Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. And so in this sermon, I would like for us to consider what it means to say and to believe that Jesus is 100% man. 
while being 100% God, right? What is that? He's not 50-50, he's 100% human and 100% God. And as you already know, the focus for today is on the humanity of Jesus. So Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, he is the God-man, but today we are gonna be focusing on his humanity, being 100% human. The truth is, Jesus underwent all of the normal stages of development as a human being, physically, emotionally, and mentally. Jesus, as a young man, had to learn things. I don't know if you've ever considered this, but Jesus' first home, if you think about it, it was not a palace, but his first home here on earth was the virgin's womb. It was Mary's womb. And as the, just think about this, as the eternal son of God, when he entered and broke forth into the world, he was born just like any other baby. You know, contrary to what we see in tradition or in our mainstream media, you know, we usually see that when Jesus was born, there was like a halo on his head, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And also, we, I, I know, I think a couple of weeks ago, we sang that song, Away in a Manger. And a part of that lyric, of, a part of that song, there's lyrics, and it says, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, right? So we have this sort of concept of Jesus being born and coming into the world. But really, you know, when he was born, it wasn't all glorious, right? You guys know this. So when Jesus was born, you know, I don't, there was definitely blood and umbilical cord and all of that stuff that's involved in giving birth to a normal person. Jesus went through this. When, and also when Jesus was eight days old, we see in the record, in the scriptures, that according to custom, he was circumcised and absolutely he bled and he cried. And we know this, that even when he was on the cross, he was pierced, and he also bled, just like as a human, normal being, because he really was 100% human. Think about this, Jesus, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, had to go through learning. Have you guys ever thought about this? Jesus had to learn how to crawl. He had to learn how to walk. He didn't just come out of the womb, and suddenly he was walking. He had to learn and go through the normative, the normal stages of development. He learned his alphabets, his ABCs, or his Alephs, his Bets, and his Gimels in the Hebrew alphabets. As a child, he learned those things. He had to learn those things. Just like any other boy or girl, he had to learn the Torah or the law. Jesus had to memorize, just like any other boy in his village, in his city, uh, in the Jewish nation, that they would have to memorize Psalm 119 or the book of Psalms and, and really memorize what God's word is saying. He had to go through the process of memorizing. He didn't just suddenly know what was in the Bible. He had to go through and read it. He had to learn how to write. He had to learn how to memorize. Imagine on many occasions, Jesus sat on his mother's knees and Mary held him in her arms and played with him and tickled him and laughed with him as a baby. This was all a reality that really happened because Jesus was 100% human. She probably held him at night when he had a bad dream. In the morning, Mary would prepare breakfast for him. And, and consider this, when Jesus was transitioning from puberty into uh, adolescence, his voice changed. Right? His, his voice got deeper. Um, he went deeper. And uh, as a young man, his hands got calloused as he worked and did carpentry. His arms grew strong. 
It is true that Jesus went through the real experiences of an ordinary boy in an ordinary home, Jewish home. But of course, there are some things that I would have to say that would set him apart. For example, we know that Jesus never disobeyed his parents, right? <laughs> How we would wish we have kids who would never disobey their parents. Jesus also, he never fought with his siblings. He always did what he was told. We just read earlier that Jesus was submissive to his parents and that Mary treasured all of that in her heart. Jesus was a remarkable child. And so he was never disrespectful to his parents. He loved his earthly parents and he obeyed his parents and he obeyed them perfectly. And listen to this. He did all these things perfectly because he was absolutely and fully committed to God the Father because of his love for God the Father. That's why Jesus did it all perfectly. In Hebrews chapter five, verse eight to nine, it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. What this verse is teaching us is that although Jesus was a son, that is the eternal son of God, when he entered into the world and became man and he took upon himself a full and complete human nature, he entered into all of the suffering that humanity experiences. He suffered the experiences of humanity as very man of very man, truly man, as 100% man, he experienced all of the suffering that humanity experiences. He learned obedience, this is what it says there. He learned obedience as a man in his humanity. At, the ve at every stage of life and at every step of the way, he learned to obey God fully and completely and absolutely and perfectly and profoundly while he encountered trials, while he encountered temptations. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, Son of God, very God of very God, truly God, encountered the full orb of human experience, except to sin, he never sinned. In his humanity, he was constantly learning obedience, submitting himself to, the God, to God the Father and his will as a man. Jesus submitted himself to God the Father as man. Here, what we read, Luke, the author of this book, is telling us that Jesus, he's not saying that Jesus became less sinful through this process of obedience. So you know for us, as we continue to obey the Lord, as humans, as we continue to obey God, we know that the more we obey, the less we sin, right? But Jesus, the more he obeyed, it wasn't like he was sinning less, he never sinned. But he was just constantly on his way to increasingly growing more and more into obedience and, and pleasing and honoring God. So that was true of Jesus, and, and Jesus lived from the beginning of his life to the end of his life, he was pure and sinless, but Luke, the author of this book, was pointing out to us that while Jesus was pure and sinless, he wasn't any less human. He was still 100% human, and he wasn't a superhuman. He wasn't like 150% human. He was literally just 100% human. Jesus was constantly increasing in his love for God and in his obedience to God. The more he lived on this earth, literally in his humanity, he was increasing in his love for God and in his obedience to God more and more each day. Every day that he lived, he was better yesterday at pleasing God and loving God. Every day. 
In other words, Jesus, in his humanity, obeyed God and loved God perfectly as a 12-year-old should love God when he was 12. How many of us, I'm 31 right now, I, I have to confess to you guys, to our church family, that I don't think I have ever loved the Lord my God as a 31-year-old should perfectly love the Lord my God. Do you get what I'm saying? This is what Jesus is, has done. But he, when he was 12 years old, he, had, he, was, he perfectly loved the Father the way a, a 12-year-old should perfectly love the Father. And when Jesus turned 33 years old, he obeyed God and loved God perfectly, just how a 33-year-old man should perfectly love God. And so just as in a true relationship, the longer that Jesus lived on earth as a human, the more he loved God the Father. And God the Father, in the same way, reciprocated his love for Jesus in his humanity. The longer that Jesus lived on earth as a human, the more the Father loved him with devotion and admiration and delight. So their relationship as God the Father and Jesus the human was growing day by day. Of course, we know that God the Father already loved God the Son 100% and fully, and they're all completely and perfect unity already. But Jesus in his humanity from his birth until the day he died, he was increasing in his love and in his obedience and his ability to make godly choices for the glory of God. If you look at Hebrews chapter five, verse nine, it reads, being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. This verse teaches that being made perfect is not talking about Jesus being imperfect at first and then gradually becoming perfect. No, this verse teaches that because Jesus endured each of these trials and each of these temptations in each of his experiences in his humanity, that as he submitted himself in perfect obedience to the Father, he then qualified as perfect. He is perfect in the sense that it became obvious that he would be the only perfect candidate to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. This is what Jesus did as a human, 100% human. Because of his increasing love for God and obedience to the Father, he becomes the perfect representative who was tested in all things as we are. And yet he did not sin. He became qualified to stand on our behalf. This is what we, what we believe. These are basics of Christianity. Now the bad news is this. The bad news is God is good. And because God is good and he is holy, in him there is no darkness at all. And being holy, God requires perfection. And because he is just, he must punish all those who fall short of his requirements. And so that is why it's bad news. Because now it becomes obvious that if we look at our lives, we would quickly realize that we have not loved God and obeyed God as perfectly as we should. And so, what we deserve from God is his wrath and his punishment, and yet God, because of his great mercy and his grace, he provided Jesus Christ to take that punishment that we deserve, and in this awesome and beautiful exchange, what happened is if we, as a people would repent of our sins and believe in what Jesus had done, 
for us on the cross in his works, then there was a beautiful exchange so that every blessing that Jesus deserves would go to the sinner and every punishment that the sinner deserves would go to Jesus and that all happened at the cross. That is the gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus. It's about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that is, in a sense, now, if you repent and believe and embrace Jesus uh, and repent of your sins and, and embrace him by faith, then that is good news for you, that those who would repent of their sins and believe in the work and the person of Jesus Christ would be spared, would be saved, would be blessed. Thank God that, Je- that, Jesus, because, that Jesus became man and because without his humanity, we don't have a savior. We really needed a human. We, he, we won't have anyone who could die in our place. So we won't have suitable mediators. Now, let us go through some examples of Jesus being human. Let us go through some examples of his humanity. Of course, we know this, that Jesus had a real human body. In Matthew chapter four, verse two, we see that when Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted by Satan. And in, in Matthew chapter four, verse two, it says that Jesus became hungry. He experienced in his physical body that he was hungry. In John chapter nine, verse 20, 19, verse 28, when Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth on the cross, when he was on the cross, do you guys remember what he said? He said, I thirst. He was thirsty. He experienced this. In John chapter four, verse six, when Jesus was on his journey and he ended up meeting this woman at the well of Sychar. Remember the story of the woman who had five husbands? And, and Jesus, on his journey, he actually ended up sitting on, on that well. The reason being was because he was tired. Jesus had a human body. And that's crazy to think because Jesus, the son of God, God the son, uh, in, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, it says that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. God never gets tired. And yet Jesus, in his humanity, he was tired. He was thirsty. He was hungry. Jesus also had a human soul. You know, one of the, one of the errors uh, in the early church was they thought that Jesus took on the divine spirit and simply kind of went inside a human body like a shell, right? That is an error because the Bible teaches us clearly that Jesus had a human soul. Jesus himself said it, right? So it wasn't like, Jesus, it wasn't like the spirit of, of Jesus went into a shell and started moving around and walking around. That's not what happened. Jesus really, as God incarnate, had his own human soul. Jesus himself said it in John chapter 12, verse 27. He said, now is my soul troubled. He had a soul, right? And in John chapter 13, verse 21, he said, it says here, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. He had a human spirit. The the Jesus that we're talking about, the God man was 100% God, 100% man. These verses demonstrate for us the capacity of the human soul to be troubled. Have you ever been troubled in your soul? You know how that feels. And yet Jesus also experienced that. He experienced that to be troubled. He he experienced anxiety and stress and all of that, but of course, he never sinned. And yet, all of this, while experiencing this as 100% human, he was still, he never ceased to be 100% God. He was still God throughout the whole time. 
And he is God all the time. Jesus also had a human mind. And the human mind, as you guys would know, we, our human minds have limitations. Remember there was one time in Matthew chapter 24 when Jesus said this in verse 35 to 36. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, and this is what he said, nor the son, but the father only. And so when I was in high school, I was put on the spot by my classmates who were non-believers, and they showed me this verse to prove that Jesus was not God. Because apparently in his mind, it, it's really apparent that Jesus said, hey, the son does not know the final hour and the final day, right? Apparently, Jesus did not know everything. And unfortunately, during that time when I was in high school, I didn't know how to defend my faith. I was like, okay, I guess you're right. I didn't know, I didn't know what to say, right? Oh, how, how I wish that I, I had grown in the knowledge and in the wisdom of God, just like the 12-year-old Jesus. That would be awesome, right? But, you know, nowadays, of course, thank God, by his grace, if somebody were to approach me and say, hey, Jonathan, see, see, this verse, it says that Jesus did not know the hour and the day of when the heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. And, you know, for, for me, it would just, I would just simply reply that no. In that verse, Jesus was simply referring to his human mind, not knowing the future. Think about that. Right? The disciples didn't go to Jesus and were like, hey, Jesus, we're going to go fishing. Can you tell us right now where we can go and fish, right? Uh, and of course, you know, how, or in the next four days, what's the forecast of, of the fishing products and all of that stuff, right? But, you know, he, he, Jesus was limited in his human mind. Of course, the truth is, in his deity, in his, in his divine nature, Jesus knows. Jesus knew. He knew the day and the hour. Jesus knew where the fish would be, right? When, when he would tell the disciples, go and fish that way. But the way that he knows this was not, um, in, in, in the way he demonstrated this as a human, he did not know these things by simply mixing his God nature and his human nature. He didn't mix it. He didn't cheat, right? So for example, whenever, uh, whenever we see Jesus do amazing things and perform miracles, and demonstrate supernatural knowledge, it is important for us to distinguish that Jesus was not mixing his deity, his godness, with his humanity in order to accomplish supernatural things. Jesus did not cheat, I wanna say that again. He did not use or employ his being God to do supernatural things. But this is what Jesus did for us. He gave us the example. The, the way that he was able to do supernatural things and was able to have supernatural knowledge and was able to have awesome and amazing wisdom and the way he was able to perfectly love God and the way he was able to perfectly obey God was this, he showed it to us. He said in John chapter five, verse 19 to 20, he said, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. In John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus said, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. So what's really what was happening the whole time, and also Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went here and there. 
So what was really happening was anytime that we see Jesus was doing awesome stuff in his humanity, he wasn't cheating. He wasn't like inserting some part of his godness to his humanity. But really what was happening was this, simply this. He was listening to God the Father and obeying what God the Father says. He was listening to God's word and obeying what God's word was saying. And while he does that, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He depended and trust the Holy Spirit. That's an awesome example for us as humans. If any of us were ever called by God to do anything amazing and awesome in this world, we know that we don't have to be God. Because by the way, we can't be God. We are, he created us only in the limit and the capacity of being humans. But for us to be able to do awesome and amazing things for the glory of God, the thing that we need to do is this, we need to listen to God. We need to listen to his word and obey his word and trust and depend on the power of his Holy Spirit. That is the Christian life. In Philippians chapter two, verse six, eight, let's just read this. It says, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. So Jesus did the most amazing thing for us. He saved the world. Depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, listening to God, but really he saved the world as a man. As he listened to the word of God and as he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus also had emotions. Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse one, it says, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. You know, I think, I don't know when we sing this, is it Easter or Christmas, I forget. But we sing this song called The Man of Sorrows or something along those lines. You know, and, and for, for, for a lot of times we, th- we tend to think that Jesus is like, oh, this sorrowful man. But really also, in Luke chapter 10 verse one teaches us that Jesus was a joyful man. He was rejoicing and he was rejoicing and he was joyful because of the Holy Spirit who lived in him. So he had emotions, he had human emotions and will. In the garden when he was praying, before he was crucified, he was deeply troubled and anguished. He had extreme emotions. Uh, the Bible te- uh, showed us, demonstrated to us that his, he was in such an anguish that he was sweating like drops of blood. In John 11 verse 33, if you guys remember the story of Lazarus, the friend of Jesus when Lazarus died, Do you guys remember this? Jesus showed up four days later after Lazarus died. And when he came to the place, people were weeping. And Jesus, in his humanity, he wept with the people. And in the verse, it even says that Jesus was angered. Why was Jesus angry at the death of Lazarus? He was angry because he hated of what sin does to people. Sin causes suffering and death and sickness and illness. And he hated that. And and so Jesus knew, by the way, that in a little moment, he would be raising Lazarus from the dead. He knew, Jesus knew, as God, that at the very end of time, when the resurrection of the dead and those who believed in Jesus would be resurrected from the dead, he knew that Lazarus would also rise up from the dead. But yet, in his humanity, he wasn't pretending. This was a real thing, an authentic, genuine thing that happened with Jesus, that in his humanity, he really wept 
and he was angry at the effects of sin. And the night before the crucifixion, you remember he prayed the prayer and he said to God, he said, if you are willing, Father, take this cup from me. And he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, that shows us that, are you guys aware of this? Jesus, in his humanity, actually had the capacity to disobey the will of God. He was human. He had the capacity to not do the will of God. And yet, he obeyed, and he did the will of God perfectly. Jesus knew the real gravity and effects of sin on us that it brings death. In Romans chapter one, verse 21, it says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, God's word is teaching us that if you look at your lives right now, if you don't love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and mind, it's because of sin. Sin causes our thinking and our hearts to become all the more clouded and darkened. It's blinding. That's why we don't love God the way that we should love him. We don't obey him the way we should obey him. It's because we are a fallen people. We have the sin nature. Yes, we can still do math. We can still do two plus two equals four. We can still do some sort of logic sometimes. Uh, but even after much education, we will tend to fail because our minds and our bodies have been weakened by the influence of sin. Now go back to the very beginning of this. Imagine Jesus. Actually, this really happened. You know, Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he did not have the slightest influence of original sin in his life. And so his thinking was never darkened, not even for a second. And you see, being perfect human, a perfect human, being unblemished, being without sin, he did not have to rely on his divine nature to possess such great wisdom. He did not have to rely on his divine nature to be able to make godly choices. Because of his, of his great love for God. And so, that anybody who would witness his life, anybody who saw him, who observed him, saw him that he loved God and he was a person full of wisdom and they were fully amazed. Jesus was able to do that. Jesus knew his father. Um, he loved God the father like no 12-year-old boy had ever loved God before. And the crazy thing about that is that, again, as we mentioned earlier, as Jesus was growing older day by day, he was growing in his love and his obedience to God. So Jesus, when he was 30, again, he loved God even more at a capacity that a sinless 30-year-old man could love God in his humanity. And yet again, we have to make the distinction and the confession that Jesus, we have to make this clear, that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became a man. He took on a full human nature. He is the very man of very man without ever ceasing to be God, ever. Jesus is God always and forever in eternity past and eternity present and even when he took on the human nature. Jesus is, if this would make you remember it, maybe, if you guys remember that song, In Excelsis Deo, what does that mean? Glory to God in the highest, all right? That's a Latin, that's a Latin phrase, but there's a Latin phrase here that might help you remember that Jesus was vera homo, vera Deus, meaning he was truly 
men, 100% men, and he was truly God. The eternal second person of the Trinity who from all eternity was very God of very God became man. Truly God, he became truly man. Two natures in one person. So we have this one person, Jesus. And unlike us, he had two natures. He was, the, he was 100% God and 100% man. Now, is there a mystery here? Is that a mystery? I, I, absolutely. Who can think about that? If you're a mathematician or a logician, you would say 100% plus 100% is not, you would have to add up. But it, with, with Jesus, he's still one person. He is one person with two natures. This is an incredible mystery. And if I can say this, this is a mystery of mysteries. And yet, beloved, with this mystery, it pleased God to reveal this to us to reveal this truth and this reality about Jesus to us in his word so that we would do well not just to investigate the reality with this reality with some carnally conscious mind but really God it was it pleased God to reveal this truth to us that Jesus in this mystery is 100% man and 100% God it it pleased God to reveal to us this mystery so that we would embrace this reality by faith. May you embrace this reality that Jesus is indeed God-man. He is the God-man. One person with two nat- natures. And when we think about mysteries, this should really result in amazement. It should be mind-blowing and should shake the core of our being because it is awesome. Who could have thought of this? And you know, in the text earlier we learned, in, as we read in Luke chapter 2, we learned that Jesus desired to be taught from God's word. That was obvious. We learned that he desired to grow in the knowledge of the word of God. We know that he had a love for the house of God. And we also know that because of his great love for God's word, then he continued to grow in his knowledge of God's word and in his love for the house of God. In other words, because Jesus loved God's word, he ended up loving to have knowledge of God, and he wanted to love God more and love God's people more and more. This is the example that Jesus set for us. Now, in ending, why did I labor to tell you all this today? Well, I just wanted to express that truth to you. This is true. To all the boys and girls and men and women here today, You should know this truth so that you will know that there is no excuse. If I were to ask you, hey, brother, why do you not have the desire to be taught from God's word just like Jesus did? If I was to ask you, hey, sister, why do you not have the desire to grow in the knowledge of God's word the way Jesus did? Hey, you, you, the person who professed to be a Christian, Why don't you have love for the house of God? Why don't you love the people of God the way Jesus did? And of course, many will say, or maybe you won't even say it or admit it, even though you know that perhaps you may have grown complacent or stagnant in your faith. Some of us might say, well, you know, I'm busy. And besides, I'm not perfect like Jesus was perfect. So there's no way I could have loved God. And there's no way that I could have loved people the way that Jesus did. You might say that. And I will say, well, of course, Scripture tells us absolutely that this is true. 
that you can never be perfect the way that Jesus was perfect. But in his humanity, he demonstrated for us how we grew in his love for God and how we grew in his love for the word of God and how we increased in wisdom to make choices that are godly in his life and how he grew in his love for the people of God because he listened to the word of God and obeyed the word of God and trusted the power of the Holy Spirit as a human. We have no excuse, we are humans. Jesus exemplified this for us. What an awesome example that Jesus gave for us. We're talking about sanctification. We're talking about being set apart. The gradual growth in, and, and the pursuit of holiness by listening to and obeying the word of God by the power of his Holy Spirit. And you might say, hey, but it's so hard. It's so complicated, it's too much. I can't do that. To love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself, that's too much. Besides, I'm going through so much right now. There's a pandemic, my family is struggling, I'm fearful of my future, I'm anxious, I'm troubled in my spirit, I am brokenhearted, nobody understands me, my friends don't understand my situation, my parents, ah, even worse. My family, oh man, you know, all of this thing, all of these things. And yet, in Hebrews chapter four, verse, verses 15 to 16, it says that Jesus, our high priest, is able to sympathize with us because he, in every respect, has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. So, through Christ, we can then confidently draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so, we're here. May this be true for us. That in the coming days, especially now, that in the new year, as we get older, day by day, let us do away with excuses and really follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Of course, we already know we can never be as perfect as Jesus was perfect and he is perfect. But may we be a people who would grow in our love for the Lord. That we may grow wiser, that we would have the ability to make godly choices more and more as we approach the new year and the many more years to come, that we would be a people who would listen and obey, to God, and obey God and his word all the while depending on the power of his Holy Spirit. May that be true for us as the Bridge Church family. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you have shown us what it's like to love you and to obey you, what it's like to be wise in this world where everything is dark, where a lot of people are making foolish choices that, leads, that lead to their peril. I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand that now, as we are in the midst, in between this Christmas season and the new year, help us, Lord, to come to grips with this, that Jesus Christ accomplished all these things in his humanity. And may we also follow in his footsteps that we would love you more and more each day, that we would obey you more and more each day, that we would make choices for you more and more each day by the power of your spirit as we listen to your word. Really apart from you, O oh Lord, we can do nothing, but with you we can do all things. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you're awesome in this place. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.